Eminem and the Punisher. Welcome to FW Team Up, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Siskoid. And I'm Isabel. Taking you through a crazy superhero music team up, Eminem and the Punisher from the comic of the same name. The first eight pages sold as an insert in the May 5th, 2009 issue of XXL magazine. The rest made available on Marvel's website. And Isabel, this is an odd one. How does this make sense? How, how did, why, why Eminem and comics is, is the question. Um, well, well, from what I've read, he actually has always had a really good interest in comics. He's not a great, like, a big reader, but he's always been, like, really into reading comics. It's really been his main source to sort of develop vocabulary and is really, like, the thing that he read. So, really? What about the dictionary? <laughs> from the diss track, from, uh, this is kind of current. <laughs> yes. We, we planned this out earlier. Uh, like months and months ago, but it's like out of nowhere, he's actually just recently released a new album called Kamikaze, on which there's this diss track uh, where he disses like a million people, <laughs> but he also disses Machine Gun Kelly, then had sent a rebuttal, and then he sent back a rebuttal, and there's just like this huge beef that's just sort of recently developed. We've accidentally chosen a delightful time to record this. <laughs> Because it just happened. Yeah, I, I just listened to uh, Rap Devil or whatever it's called mm -hmm. from uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then Kill Shot, which is the answer. Uh, yeah, actually, Eminem said, like, I was expecting him to be like, oh, that's a terrible song. And his response to, like, what do you yeah. think about, like, Rap Devil? And he was like, well, he has a good, couple of good lines. It's, it's, not, it's not good, but he has a couple of good lines. It's good for him. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. It's yeah, good it's for good for him. him. And then I saw the interview with uh, Machine Gun Kelly on some radio show, which was filmed. It's also on YouTube. And why he would not respond. Mm. And it just seems like backtracking, backpedaling. Oh, I had something ready to go, but oh, it's so, Kill Shot is so lame that I, that I won't. <laughs> Screw it. I, I, I spent too much energy on this all week on this thing. It's like, okay, dude. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because I feel like they're very similar. Like, I feel like... Well, one is in the shade of the other. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Is, is, that, a, is that a shady? I, I think that's in Kill Shot. I think that's, there's a line in Kill Shot about that. As long as I'm shady, he's going to have to live in my shadow. One is obviously the descendant of the other. Yeah. Musically and type of person. Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly couldn't have existed if Eminem didn't exist. Right. There's definitely a, I'm going to be the next Eminem. Yeah. Yeah. vibe coming from even from physically i feel yeah oh yeah has the same look yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's that's part of the diss uh whether that dissing is real or marketing or mm. yes it could easily be a publicity stunt for both really for both yeah. careers although i do believe eminem when he says uh in that same interview you mentioned when he says uh that guy's not even on my radar yeah who's that who's that guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like we're the only reason he got into it was Kind of because the guy was making press off dissing or talking about Eminem's daughter, and that's how it yes, all started. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's like he even only found out about the fact that he was talking about like his daughter a year later. Like yeah. it wasn't at all on his radar at all. Says, and that's the yeah. funniest thing I've ever heard Eminem say. You know, when you get into like a YouTube wormhole, and it's just like what? He is a geek because you you watch the videos and he's dressed as a superhero, or there's like Star Trek references, or there's there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, there's even an album where has like a lot of Star Wars references for some reason. He must have just like watched a lot of Star Wars <laughs> and then wrote that album once in an Argentinian comic book shop. 
up. He apparently mentioned that he prefers Marvel, but he's mentioned like in interviews and stuff that he particularly likes Spider-Man, the Hulk, Batman, Superman, and that really shows up in his lyrics. References to specific characters that aren't even just those title characters, like side characters in those universes. Even just like references to sort of context, the way he phrases things. He has like a kind of like lyrics that has the tone of like, here comes Captain This! Like that sort of delivery. And even, which I find kind of interesting, the sort of sound effects he adds like vocally in his songs. Like he'll add things like BAM, BLOW, sounds like that in the actual lyrics. And it's very comic booky. It's very the sort of thing you would see like written in, on an explosion yeah. or like a punch. And then in the videos you would see that sound effect just like the old Batman TV show. Yeah, yeah. He does like riffs on that. I mean, he's even got a song that the, the video is a Max Hedrum reference, which is like deep cuts. Yes, yeah. <laughs> At this point in time, I know it was like early 2000s, but still, even in early 2000s, still that, like... that would have been a deep cut. And I would say that he's also kind of more genre than you would think. Like he has, in one of his earlier albums, he has a song that's sort of western. He has a lot of like more sci-fi, sort of alien, abduction-y kind of themes here and there. And definitely a lot of humor. Oh yes, and that's very core to his style, that that sort of humorous approach to very dark subjects. <laughs> yeah, I guess if, if we can call Machine Gun Kelly a descendant, a bastard child of Eminem, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Eminem himself would be the descendant of the Beastie Boys, or have the same, mm -hmm. a lot of humor, white boys rapping, a lot of humor, nasally kind of voice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to it, which you also find in Lonely Island. True. Which is similar. Huh. I, I think that's how white boys have to rap. Maybe. <laughs> Nasally. I think the proof is in the pudding right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, all these people have been influenced influencing by, each yeah. other. And, yeah. and you can see in this first album um, the, the impact of the Beastie Boys. Like, the delivery of it is... You know when your first, like, your first book or your first album mm. sounds like someone else? It's a bit like that. Yeah. You can tell that it's that. It's an NWA. You can really feel that sort of influence in the music. And then he finds later, like, more of his specific style of voice. Right. But, yeah, you can definitely tell yeah, that. In literature, we call it the Aegon. It's at once your inspiration, your literary mentor, that you're trying to copy and at the same time trying to beat. You're at once emulating and trying to differentiate yourself from your you know, influence. Yeah, which is extremely hard to accomplish without being super derivative. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's how you know somebody made something good. The other sign that he's a uh, comic book fan is that he has this secret comic book collection that he never talks about and never shows to anyone. And oh uh, th there's like this rumor of like... Because like, I've seen Harlan Ellison's collection. I mean, why is it so secret? I don't know. <laughs> but his, um, like there's this, this one guy, one guy somewhere who's seen it and has described it as otherworldly. Um, it's just kind of ridiculous. He's rumored to actually own... Amazing Fantasy number 15. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man's first appearance. Which is extremely expensive. Yeah. It's like a million dollars. Yeah, I think it did hit a million, actually. Yeah, it's rumored to be. So maybe that's why he's not showing it to anyway. yeah. like well, anyone. It has to be a good copy because, I mean, our friend Bobble has it. No way. But it was like a terrible copy because oh, okay. he, he owns every Spider-Man comic ever. I should have him on the show sometime. Yes. Just he lives out of town and he's a difficult personality. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> let's say. But no, but Bobble has every, um, that's obviously, that's not his real name, but neither is Ciscoids. So yeah. I, I don't feel too bad about it. I use my real name. Yes, so very good. if I embarrass myself, they know who I am. <laughs> they know who you are. Yeah, so he has every Spider-Man comic ever. Uh, that was his ambition. So yes, he did get a, an Amazing Fantasy number 15, but it's really, really beat up. Mm-hmm. And still, I'm sure he paid, you know, <laughs> I'm sure he paid a lot of money for it. Even in that condition. Even yeah. in that condition, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I'm assuming his condition is probably good being, having the budget that he has. Then he must presumably be a Spider-Man fan because he feels like he's being completionist about it. If he has a comic that that's... But he's got the money for it. I mean, if you're looking for someone who has Action Comics number one or something, celebrities obviously have that kind of money. Yeah. But apparently, actually, it's very common in rappers to be into comics for some reason. While reading on this, he I found like like a long list of other rappers that have that interest as well. So I don't know if it's the kind of reading that reaches people that just aren't interested in reading, and so that becomes their reading influences yeah. them in that way. I think maybe rap is also a rap and hip hop are kind of styles where you could sing about that kind of stuff more mm-hmm. easily than if you were like a crooner. Yeah. Uh, There's common themes, and I feel the way that stories are told in comics is consistent with how you would use storytelling in rap. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. It, it's Which just is like maybe uh, sort of hand in hand. Maybe one has influenced the other. And yeah, it's like Wu Tang Clan and uh, Kung Fu movies, or you know, it's yeah, like you yeah. can go get that kind of stuff, but you can't. You can't put that in a country western song. No, that would be straight. Although <laughs> you should, you know, you, you should. should try. Somewhat, are you a country singer? Try that. I want to <laughs> listen to it. Well, another sign that he might be very much into Spider-Man is that on his latest album, he has a song that will be on the Venom soundtrack. Venom. 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 Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, that's right. So that's probably the end credit song or something in the movie? I assume. I believe part of it is in a trailer. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. You know what? That's a perfect segue to what we're doing today because uh, Eminem and the Punisher. Venom is a super popular anti-hero at Marvel from the 90s. As was the Punisher. Punisher started out, they both started out earlier, but in the 90s were the moment where mm. they really got a lot of comics and series devoted to them. Uh, so both are black with the white print. I mean, Venom and the Punisher, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Nothing to say that. It's very common. Yeah. So, um, today we're talking about Eminem the Punisher, that strange, comic weirdest uh, thing ever yeah and in each episode of fw team up one panelist will pick one character to defend so in this case isabel who is your guy i think it's gonna be obvious but eminem <laughs> all right so i will take the punisher even though i do not call myself a punisher fan necessarily am i punishing you with this no. task no uh, <laughs> in any long-standing character's history there's lots of stuff to like even if that's not your jam in the general sense so you take Eminem, I'll take the Punisher. As is customary, we'll preface with reasons why we like the character we've chosen, or character, or personality, or this is a real person. Yeah, exactly. In this case. Uh, so what's so great about Eminem, Isabelle? Okay, well, first of all, I would like to say that obviously I don't agree with all of the things that he says. He says some terrible things sometimes. He's used like slurs and stuff that obviously I don't agree with. So putting that aside... Um, to the core, I mean, when his, like, main, more iconic albums came out, I was, like, 12 to sort of 15, 16-ish kind of aged, which is probably, like, the right age. <laughs> mm. Um, he, he often raps about, like, 12-year-old kids listening to his music, so, I mean, I think I fell exactly in that age group when he, like, really 
blue. And I come from a very white suburban place where everyone listens to rap. Yeah. If you, it's like skater town it's, where you come from. It's it's all white kids with backwards caps. It's it's <laughs> like we're just too suburban and we need to compensate by being more gangsta. It's just ridiculous. Like if you just like play a rap song in Dieppe, everyone's like, "Woo! Yeah!" Like instantly just like rapping and we're doing the hand gestures and we're just being really ridiculous. But so I grew up in suburbia rap land <laughs> and, and it's still consistent i know people from dieppe um that are much younger like a good 10 years younger than me and they're still rap people probably more so <laughs> so i sort of like grew up in that sort of vibe anyways and i always liked particularly eminem because of the way he uses language. So he obviously is a, is a storyteller. It's one of the things that people notice about him, the way he raps. But he's also famous for the complexity of his rhyming scheme. So he would use parts of words or a combination of different words to sort of bend the way things rhyme together. Like as an example, if you use the word oranges which he would pronounce oranges with his accent, he would rhyme that with or hinges. So like no doors or hinges would rhyme with oranges. And so combining sounds with different sort of words or parts of words creates sort of like an interesting complexity and an interesting way to see sounds and words. He also repeats the same sound throughout a sentence. So that would create sort of like a musicality within a sentence, even if it's not like the words that are supposed to rhyme together, it's sort of a repeating sound that creates sort of a rhythm. He would rhyme monotony with has gotten me, like back to back. So it creates sort of that rhythm. And he does that a lot even with like, he'll pick like one or two sounds and repeat it throughout like three or four sentences. And you really feel that rhythm. And I really find that very interesting. And obviously he has, you mentioned it, he has a humor to him that I think a lot of rappers don't have. A lot of rappers, especially in that era, were, were more like hard, like intense. I'm going to shoot you. That's yeah. the suburbia coming out right there. <laughs> uh, where he had sort of like always, he was saying these very violent, aggressive things, but with sort of like a twinkle in his eye. There's always like a little bit, I mean, there's songs that are very intense and dark and just plain that. But there's often sort of like a, a twinkle in his eye that makes it okay. That he said something very horrible and he uses that to, obviously there's jokes and stuff written in the songs, but there's always a little bit of like fun added to it that makes it very pleasant. He's almost like, um, you know that bit in Goodfellas? There are many bits. <laughs> but when he's, um, when it's just like, funny how? I'm a clown uh, to you? I'm, am I funny to you? I'm, I'm funny to you? I'm a clown? And then it's like, haha, I'm just playing with you. That's Eminem. <laughs> What did you say to me? What did you say to me? I'm going to fucking kill you. Nah, I'm kidding. There, there's I, think that... That, I think Joe Pesci does kill a guy, though. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> I can't that... say for Eminem. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember, but yeah. But yeah, but you know, there's that vibe that's always on the edge, like angry, destructive, but there's like, ah. Yeah, but I think nah. he's at his best when he's angry. I mean, uh, that's why the diss battles and the rap battles and, and Eight Mile, and you know, yeah. it's the, the moments where he's... Angry seems to be where the rap is more percussive. I think he's more genuine, too. 
Because mm. that's one of his critics, the critics from his later albums, is that is not bringing anything that new after a while. Because where his rage comes from is very much from his home life and his roots right. and origin story, basically. And at some point, at you're some... too successful to be angry. You're sitting in a yeah. mansion. How do you get angry? And so that's like he has like sort of an acapella rap thing that he did about politics where he was angry about something so created that and i think out of his anger he be became a creative person so i think that anger is often the source of his creativity by maybe reflex at this point but yeah so i agree yeah interesting in ciscoid what's one thing you like about the punisher one yes. thing <laughs> sure well you know like i said i'm not a i don't call myself a punisher fan i don't i've not read a whole lot of punisher comics over the years some some, but I feel like they're, they're very, you know, it becomes very samey. You know, a traumatized guy like Batman or whatever, but he shoots all the criminals. So there's no recurring villains. There's no, like, it's not something that grows. Uh, so every story seems kind of the same in a way. I will throw some love at, I mean, I, I think the, the new Punisher show, the Netflix show, uh, is very good. It's about PTSD. It's about the, the, the veteran experience. Hmm. They've really built it around several characters who have a the same background and yet a different way of talking about it. And so it's a good show. I think the, the, the new show is good. Uh, but I will throw some love at the Thomas Jane Punisher movie okay. because so many people don't like it. So many people hate it. It's the people that decided that oh, Thomas Jane, a blonde guy, can't be the Punisher. Okay. That was like the original conversation. But I heard those conversations about you know uh, Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark. It's like, he can't be Tony Stark. Why not? That is like the he, most... He is Tony Stark. That was the most perfect casting possible, but people didn't see it. You know, there's yeah. always people who People always get angry about things like that. It's ridiculous. Um, let's see them in the role and then you can decide. But um, in the case of Thomas Jane, the movie plays with elements from the comics directly. It's like one, one storyline in particular that they've poached. And yet, they've gone their own way. So to me, that movie is a little bit more like a... Grand Theft Auto, uh, Vice City. It's in Miami. And the, the, the look of it, just like the very sort of sepia, almost sepia tone sometimes. It's like, it's got a, like a 70s movie vibe that speaks back to the origins of the character, I think. And yes, it's a little more insane. Uh, the, the sort of revenges are more interesting than just, you know, shooting someone. He's trying to destroy the life of John Travolta. I mean, who wouldn't? And. <laughs> Uh, who plays the villain in this. And so there's like a lot of hyper-action elements to it. It's not grim and dark. It's actually got a sense of fun, even though the character comes out of a tragedy and is very violent. I think it's a lot more amusing than that. And they actually build, within the space of a movie, they actually have a small supporting cast in there so that he's not just alone and you can actually see him be sympathetic to, to other characters. Whereas very often in the comics, as in other movies... The Punisher is so closed off from others that he is not as sympathetic. The Netflix show does it right. I mean, they give him a, a human connection with someone, with a couple of someones, because you want to relate to the character. Yeah. If it's just this guy on his lone mission, killing everyone, it doesn't have the same humanity. So no. I am not a fan of... Well, I haven't seen the Dolph Lundgren one, because I try not to watch Dolph Lundgren movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and uh, I did not like Warzone even though it's got good actors in it, it's too dark. I don't feel the humanity of it in there. It's just, it's, it's just you can some, easily uh, just 
It's just like a puppet shooting things. It's not like a human with yeah. things. And all the puppets are super easy to, to blow up. Everybody's a pinata. Like a punch can go through a, a head. Oh my god. In that movie, in War Zones. I, I think it's just like a little too Well, with a character that's gory. so already like angry and dark and more violence is not necessarily what balances out. The... You want to be with that hero, even though... He's maybe not, you know, representing your values. Uh, and certainly, I came up from a tradition of comics where uh, heroes don't kill. If a hero kills, it's got to be a major trauma for them. And um, the Punisher is just all the opposite of that. So for me, the Thomas Jane movie is still the one, is the only one that I would rewatch. So uh, I'm throwing some love at it. Hopefully, some listeners also enjoy it. Uh, but that is will be my one thing to like about The Punisher. At this point, I'm sure I will t- touch on The Punisher again. I mean, he teams up with Archie and He has the weirdest team-ups. They really don't know what to do with him. <laughs> no, he was also got with Batman and Daredevil and, and people. But um, <laughs> so if somebody else wants to talk about The Punisher on this show, I will have covered only one base. The thing that nobody likes, so... That I do. So um, that's maybe good. that's because I'm not a Punisher fan. Maybe. So I like the thing... It's like the Star Wars fans who don't like uh, The Last Jedi, but I like The Last Jedi because I'm not a Star Wars fan. It's See, the same. Now you've angered two populations of people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. But stick around. <laughs> it's not all bad opinions. Uh, let's let's get into the publication history of both these characters. If I may start with The Punisher while we're on the subject. You may. I think most people know Frank Castle's story. He's an ex-Marine who sees his entire family gunned down by the mob and goes on a rampage to wipe out crime by killing every criminal he can. Uh, but he started out life trying to kill Spider-Man, who he thought had murdered uh, Norman Osborn. You know, the whole uh, goblin glider in the chest bit. Uh, in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man, uh, that's his first appearance, Punisher, in Amazing Spider-Man 129. That's in 1974. He was created by Jerry Conway, uh, based on the then-popular Executioner books by Dan Pendleton, uh, about a guy with the exact same origin story. And the Punisher became an unexpected hit with readers, because uh, Jerry Conway thought of him as a one-off. So uh, I hope you're getting uh, a check every time The Punisher gets merchandise sold or something, Jerry. Uh, so he appeared regularly in the 70s and 80s, usually in Spider-Man or Daredevil. Uh, in 1986, he got his own miniseries by Stephen Grant and Mike Zeck, the success of which greenlit an ongoing series the next year, initially by Mike Barron and Klaus Janssen. Now, within a couple of years, Marvel launched a second book, Punisher War Journal, and Frank Castle's been a popular money-making machine for Marvel ever since. Not just with versions of those two titles, but Punisher Warzone, Punisher Armory, uh, lots of Punisher specials, graphic novels, and team-ups, like we said. The, that popularity waned in the late 90s, probably from overexposure, but it was revived in 2000, thanks to the hot creative team of Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon, leading the way to a mature reader's Punisher title under the Max imprint. He's been the star of three movies, uh, and most recently one of the better Marvel Netflix series. That's a lot for someone who is, on the whole of it, a one-note character with a necessarily disposable rogues gallery. So that's the Punisher. People know the Punisher. Uh, but what about Eminem? Who the hell is that yeah, guy? Yeah, no one knows Eminem. I've never heard of him. <laughs> Well, Marshall Matters, a.k.a. Slim Shady, a.k.a. Eminem, is a rapper and producer from Detroit. Um, In the midst of a turbulent childhood, he developed an interest in comics and uh, originally wanted to become a writer for comics. Oh! Yeah, until he discovered rap. 
So we lost a comic writer right there. I, I maybe, um, maybe did well. <laughs> maybe that's a good choice. We've read this comic. Well, he didn't write it. <laughs> uh, I mean, same. <laughs> He began rapping in schoolyards and attending contests at the hip-hop shop, which is actually mentioned in this comic. Yeah. On the back of his first album, Infinite, and an EP, he signed to Dr. Dre's label, rocketing him to mainstream popularity. His next albums, the Slim Shady LP, the Marshall Matters LP, and the Eminem Show spawned his most iconic Eminem songs, um, such as My Name Is, The Real Slim Shady, Stan, Cleaning Out My Closet. As of right now, he's released 10 albums, in his lifetime, the more recent, as we've mentioned, in August. And there are hits on most of those. So he's, I believe, at least most, if not all of his albums have hit number one in some capacity. So that's pretty impressive. Um, in 2002, he starred in the film Eight Mile, for which he won an Academy Award for Best Original Song for Lose Yourself. He actually didn't show up because he didn't think he was going to win. <laughs> but he, that's just like semi-autobiographical. Yeah, I, I don't think, I think it's, there's artistic flourishes, but it's very much the story of a person like him. How he came up. How, yeah, yeah, the sort of steps to, and the struggles, and the kind of struggles. They're not necessarily... And the Detroit the setting. Vibe. Yeah, yeah okay. the sort of state of things in Detroit at that time, I, I believe, is quite what he lived through. And, I mean, the, the hip-hop contests and the rap battles and all of that, I think that's very much like his own life, but... But he did, he did have a different name in the movie, so yes, it is a fiction. Yeah, yeah, it's not... I believe he's Rabbit in that. Rabbit, yeah. Yes. <laughs> So I think, like, some characters represent, like, a combination of his friends or, you know, these significant, oh, that girlfriend is, like, probably the sort of girl he knew then, but it's right. not, like, specifically pretty people. Um, so when he beats the Falcon in the final showdown, <laughs> that's, like a, that's like a Marvel team-up with before. Right. It is the Falcon. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. What a little <laughs> random thing. Pre-started. So he's one of the best-selling artists of all time, and he's considered to be um, one of the most influential. He's influenced not only rap, but other styles of music as well, and his approach to music has really affected a lot of people. And as we've mentioned, he's known for his storytelling, his rhyming style, and um, his humorous approach to subjects that are not necessarily humorous. <laughs> oh, and tell us about Mighty Avengers uh, number three. He's on a special edition cover, uh, only sold in Detroit, Oh. to commemorate Eminem's boyhood home on Dresden Street. In the following of the release of this comic, an investor announced her intention to purchase the abandoned house and preserve it as a museum. The house was unfortunately destroyed by an arson fire following the <laughs> announcement. <laughs> My God, what a crazy life. So, you know... Yeah, the, the co I'll put the cover, the cover of that, and uh, with the cover of the comic we're actually covering on uh, FireWaterPodcast.com, okay. uh, as well as the cover of XSL Magazine, where this comic, the first eight pages were actually uh, published, because it has Eminem dressed as Punisher yeah, with, on the cover, with guns and being yeah. cool. So I'll put all of that uh, on the website so you can see, because yeah, that is a rare variant cover. It's got it's Eminem sitting at his house with Iron Man. Yeah, I'm just kind of. Chilling. <laughs> How did that? I mean, okay. <laughs> By the same artist who did this. So I, I'm thinking there's like a relationship because uh, that cover was drawn by Salvador La Roca, just like the comic we're going to cover. So maybe all done at the same time. Or Is he from Detroit? No, he's from Spain, but uh, he was the Iron Man artist for a long while. 
And so probably he put Iron Man on the cover. And, oh, my other project was Eminem. Eminem had to be on it. <laughs> so yeah, so they probably went to La Roca for it because he'd done the one Eminem comic. This is going to be, uh, we're going to get into the synopsis of this, but uh, this is a very strange kind of idea anyway, right? To have yeah. a music artist with superheroes, but Eminem's not the only one who's ever attempted it. There's like Kiss had comics. Mm, true. They're not all team up, so I can't all co cover them all, but... Um... <laughs> Are they all good? I'm, no. no. I'm sure they're not, and uh, we'll see what we think of this one. Uh, let's get into it. Kill You by writer Fred Van Lent, artist Salvador La Roca, colorist Frank Darmada, letterers John Caramanga and Corey Petit, and the editor was Nathan Cosby on this. In five, four, three, two, one. Rap star Eminem drops the mic at the end of a show in Detroit, Michigan. His crew escorts him to his Hummer limo when... Out of nowhere, the Punisher shows up. They pull on him. He pulls back with massive machine guns, and he caps their collective asses. Eminem runs for cover, and he'll be damned if he'll let anyone kill his homies and get away with it. He fires his own gun in the Punisher's general direction, but before he can do any damage, he's grabbed by the huge Barracuda, a friendly acquaintance from the old rap battles at the hip-hop shop who's the Punisher's actual target. After getting out of the music scene, he fell into murder for hire and overthrowing small Central American governments. As you do, they head for his custom roadster, but... The Punisher pulls a bazooka and blows up the car. Slim Shady and Barracuda hide in the condemned housing by the parking lot. Eminem shouts out that he doesn't deserve this. He's a celebrity! Frank Castle tells him, hey, settle down, Rockstar. Rockstar? Fuck that! Eminem jumps out at Frank and starts wailing on him with his pistol. When the Punisher is down for the count, he shoots him three times in the chest. That was easy. But then Barracuda puts a gun to Shady's head. The Punisher was after him because Kuda was hired to kill a famous rapper. Blam, 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 blam. He shoots Eminem in the chest. That was easy too. A few hours later, the Punisher and Eminem wake up on a fishing boat on the partially iced up Lake Erie, chained to each other. They were both wearing bulletproof vests. Frank explains he feels no guilt about killing M's crew since they pulled first and probably had a rap sheet. If you know what I mean. Barracuda reveals that he was hired by the Parents' Music Council to put a cap in Eminem's ass because his music didn't align with their Christian values. When he realized M wasn't dead, he got inspired and decided to throw our two heroes in the lake so they disappear. And in Eminem's case, he would become a legend, and Barracuda could make a lot of money selling his merch on eBay. The assassin breaks the chains with his teeth and throws Slim Shady into the lake. But he lands on the ice with a thud. It's thicker than it looks. No problem. He pulls a rifle and going, my name is what? My name is what? Aims to shoot him. But the Punisher kicks him in the shins and that shot goes wild. Eminem starts walking on the ice and finds a smelt fisherman who is his biggest fan. He'll do anything for him. Shady gets an idea. Meanwhile, Barracuda is remorselessly pummeling the Punisher. When Frank is down, he pulls out a machete. But Eminem is back with the ice fisherman's chainsaw, and he cuts into Barracuda like he's butter. Then he throws him in the lake. This time, the ice breaks. Unfortunately for Shady, the Punisher cut himself loose with the machete, and he holds him at gunpoint. A criminal is a criminal, and he just saw M kill a man. But given that he did kill his crew, Frank throws the rapper a bone. He makes him climb down on the ice, shoots around him to create a small island, and throws him Barracuda's satellite phone so he can call for help. Then he pilots the boat back to shore. After all, that parents' music council needs to be punished. 
As the boat speeds away from him, Eminem shouts at the Punisher to tell him Shady sent him. So that is Eminem, the Punisher, kill you. <laughs> A crazy ass story. I mean, I I really like Fred Van Lent. Uh, he's like the perfect modern writer for this kind of loopy project. Uh, I don't know how much effort he put in it necessarily, but <laughs> but you know I've I've loved his Alpha Flight. I, I you know, he's got good Hulk comics and all sorts, and he's usually on the more the crazier side of comics, what I call pure comics. And this was um, to promote Relapse, the album that came out after, well, after Eminem came out of rehab, right? It's like... Yeah, I believe it's safe. Yeah. yeah. And so I was looking for maybe a hint of that in the comic. Not necessarily that he came out of rehab or anything, but like a link to the album, because it was supposed to be a promotional thing. And I'm not sure it's really there. The one thing I did find was that when you listen to the album, it starts with a sketch, a little skit. With yeah, the doctor, there's a lot of sketches in yeah. Eminem. Yeah, yeah. Every so, every few songs, there's like a skit. But the first skit is about him coming out of rehab and the doctor talking to him. The doctor, like the devilish kind of doctor. Is it Doctor Dre? Because Doctor Dre no. plays a doctor like it all the thing. No, it's actually a relationship to this comic in a way because it's Dominic West from The Wire, uh, who is the voice, very distinctive. Well, I know I got to start practicing the steps and I mean learn them and start being able to apply them. Steps. Yeah, the steps. There's a lot of them, aren't there? Well, 12. Christ, I don't even know them all. Really? And uh, he played Jigsaw, the one Punisher villain that ever became recurring in the previous year's Punisher Warzone movie. Huh. I don't know if there's that's an actual relationship to the Punisher. Like, I don't know if that's part of the yeah, cross-promotion, <laughs> but... <laughs> it's a very subtle way of doing it, if so. Yeah. Because one of the things that I was disappointed about, and I don't know about you, but is that there is so little rapping. Yes. I feel like there should have been... Like, his superpower is the rapping bit. Here's a gangsta, and he's got guns, and he's physical. But there's no rap battle. There's no bits of lyrics from any of his songs in that well, he says. except, like, I'll fucking kill you. That's a song. Is it? It's a song. <laughs> okay. It's like on his... Second album, maybe? There's a song that's just like, okay. I'm gonna fucking kill you! I'm gonna fucking kill you! It's okay. like... Although that doesn't sound like it's... That could be just like an innocuous phrase. Yes, it could be. But it's Barracuda is ripping off his lines, because Barracuda says, my name is Wa. Oh, yeah. To, to mock him. Uh, he's The one song that's in here is, um, is Hush Little Baby. Which I find very interesting. Because there's a song, like it's a reference to Mockingbird, which is a, a, an Eminem song. But it's not the lyrics from Mockingbird. No. Which mocks the Hush Little Baby, but why is it interesting? It's interesting because I feel like the whole story is really anchored in a lot of themes that Eminem plays off of. And that bit that he sings is mentioning mothers buying things to sort of gain the affection of Mm. their children in a way. It's just mentioning moms is such an Eminem thing. And it's just like that guy could have sung any song. But he's singing a part of a song that's both something. But he's singing the, par- the 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 version of the song which is in the public domain. It's like the comic couldn't get the rights to anything. Yeah. Even though Eminem is obviously a participant. Actually, yeah. In, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. But, but I mean, I I think it's interesting that he's at his funeral. Someone singing about mothers. <laughs> It's kind of... Fitting. I feel like it ties in with his normal themes. Especially it's sort of like a violent context. It's not in a loved way. 
So it's... There's another reference to Relapse, I think. Uh, because um, one of the Relapse had like three videos that came out of it. One of them is We Made You. And that thing has um, Trisha or whoever's the other singer um, saying, You're a rock star. Everybody loves you. Mm. And he's like, as usual in Eminem videos, he's disguised. He's, he's in, you know, he's sort of supposed to be like a 70s rock star kind of look. I don't know. He's not himself anyways. So it's mocking that kind of thing. Mocking rock stars and fan devotion. I think that's what the song's about. So that's sort of a mirror of those words? That's the mirror of Punisher calling him a rock star and him going ballistic. Mm. You know, rock star. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. It's like he goes crazy at that point because uh, that's a step too far. Mm-hmm. But, he mean, doesn't do rock. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on now. But I mean, that's such a recurring thing for Eminem anyways. He has... Especially with the whole uh, council of parents that are annoyed. Yeah, the Christian parents. (laughs) But I mean, that's like, it's almost a central theme. Those two things. It's the being criticized and being forced to, like, not forced to change, but people want him to change. So the FCC won't let me be or let me be me. So let me see. They try to shut me down on MTV, but it feels so empty without me. Or not change. Or not change, actually, yeah. Um, and the fact that those people wouldn't be as holy as they appear. There's a lot of, like, parents don't want you to listen to this, but what parents are doing behind the scenes mm-hmm. are as terrible as what I'm saying now, so fuck you. Um, it, there's a lot of that. Yeah, um, yeah the parents' bedroom. There yeah. are lines about that, yeah. Yes, yeah. And that vibe is very much apparent in this. And there's also the whole obsessive fan side of it where he often writes about the pressures of people not wanting him to change or people wanting him to be something or symbolize something that he doesn't necessarily want to be or what he says is not necessarily meant to be taken literally. You know, there's just like this sort of battle. You can see it in the song Stan about an obsessive fan that writes to him and just commits murder because he didn't respond to the letter an appropriate amount of time. There's that sort of, so when you see the fisherman, the fisherman's all like, I'm your biggest fan. He could have been called Stan. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> okay. there's, so, there's so you're saying that, that, like, even though Van Lent couldn't use any of the songs, because we see the end of a, sh- a show, we see the mic drop, but there's no, it's like, thanks Detroit. This is like, no. No, yeah, everyone's just like, come on in. Yeah, there's no song. There's not even like the end of a song or anything. Van Lent really went deep into just like using the recurring themes of the music inside the story. Yeah, I feel not like... just like Eminem as a public figure character. I mean, there's like a public persona to this where he's gangsta. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure Eminem's not running around with. He's probably not shooting people. Shooting people. Yeah, no, that's no. not. But that's the gangsta persona. That's what we see. Yeah, and it's in Detroit, and it's, you know that. Uh, and there's like a fanish way of it because like. Somebody on the ice floe is a fan is of a his. Fan. It's so like everyone in the world is a fan. There's right. a fan everywhere. Everywhere yeah. you turn. So that there is that, you know, the the big rap star. So, yeah. Cause, figure. Because he often, ha- even in some songs, he mentions like, "Stop talking to me when I'm just sitting in a restaurant with my daughter, trying to spend some quality time with her." Like, there's a invasion of wherever I go. There's someone who's my biggest fan, and I just can't be left alone. So now he's on this random ice place. So the writer really did go into the songs and pull out 
Yeah. More I... than just references. There's like a thematic underpinning to this, which yeah. uh, I had not realized necessarily. Because even just one of his major themes is poverty. And the story starts out in an abandoned house in Detroit. Like, that's such a common thing in Detroit. There's whole sections that are just abandoned houses and just sort of denotes the poverty of it. And just like little things like that. Random gratuitous violence. All of his friends getting shot. You know, that's, that's very, and it's slightly exaggerated in a way that Eminem does. It's not just like, I shot a person, I shot all the people, and then a bazooka, and (laughs) there's that sort of, like, exaggerated violence to it that maybe makes sense with the Punisher as well. Mm, But that's definitely consistent with the lore that Eminem creates in his song, sort of the universe, his sort of Marvel universe of his songs. (laughs) But the Punisher doesn't do as well in the... I mean, he gets pistol whipped, and he gets knocked out twice. Twice. It's not... Not very good. No. Is it, do you think that, I mean, it should be like that just so Eminem can compete with the superhero? <laughs> or, I mean. I mean, arguably, Eminem's not doing that well either. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And I think that's also a core thing with Eminem. He talks big, but he's a victim most of the time. Like, most of his songs doesn't necessarily glorify his skill set in anything. He's a lot like, people keep attacking me. Christ. <laughs> Well, there's, I mean, there is that part of rap, especially gangster rap, that is like about the bravado, mm-hmm. about the, po- whatever, I won't, won't call him a poser, but you know, posing, that confrontational yeah, aspect I, to it. But I think that when he, I mean, it's also exaggerately graphic that it feels made up. And I feel like most Eminem songs are revenge fantasies and not something that he'd be ever actually capable of doing or would actually do in real life. I feel like it's someone angry about something and you know that really white hot part of rage where you're just like i'm gonna fucking kill everyone (laughs) and then when you cool down you're like all right well i'm gonna give them a call and say yeah that's i'm not okay with that and and i feel like that's how eminem writes because he's always like the victim of bullies bullying is something that's very um intense for him because he lived through a lot of bullying when he was a child he even got severely beaten up his mother sued the school. It oh. was there's a song called Brain Damage where he talks about it because he was beaten like so badly that it was like it was seriously a health risk. So when he talks about being bullied by like in this context, mm-hmm. the the council of parents, like that's a form of bullying as well. They want him to change, pushing buttons for him to be bumped out of the way because he's no no no, you can't do that. There's that sort of vibe to it but he's he's often the victim of something like he was just sitting there and then someone just pissed him off so now i'm gonna kill you yeah well he's just coming out of a show yeah and the punisher attacks (laughs) (laughs) yes and that's so quite consistent with this thing he's not he's active he's not active he's reactive as a person i feel like most of this story that's an interesting contrast because when we're talking about superheroes here one of the things that separates the punisher from the rest or characters like the Punisher, because he's very influential as well. His success spawned a number of gun-toting vigilantes. <laughs> and um, is that he's active and not reactive. Like a guy like Spider-Man, spinning around town, you know. <laughs> oh, I see a crime. React to that. The Punisher, he's not waiting for crime to happen. He's spotted who is a criminal, and before they can act, he will kill them. Hmm, interesting. You know, he's, he's looking for it. 
He's running around looking for criminals, not looking for criminal action necessarily. You know, you might just be a mobster in your own home and get, you know, your ass capped because the Punisher is active, not reactive. Mm. And here you're saying Eminem is a reactive figure. So putting them together, he's reacting to the Punisher. They're not friends in this. No, yeah. The Punisher's af- not after him, but eventually, yes. So that's that's a good combo in that way. Because in the beginning, I was like, this is a weird combo. It seems like it's just kind of there. But really, it's they need each other to have something happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, I mean, they're two oh, yeah. gangland yeah. kind of characters. They're consistent in style. <laughs> yeah, in, in that sense. I, I think Eminem is maybe um, simply drawn in this. This isn't like a deep character study. But the Punisher is very much a caricature of himself. Okay. Anything is a crime. This is the Punisher that if you jaywalked, yeah. he might kill you. Because <laughs> yeah. he's so loose about um, all of his homies that he shot. Like they're prob- They probably have rap sheets. What? Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that and then th- that he punishes Eminem. I just saw a crime, but you do realize that like he killed Barracuda, who you were going to kill for the same reason. And I think Eminem has more of a I mean, it was more like self-defense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got an actual defense. Uh, whereas Punisher is just seeking out people, and he was going to kill Barracuda for trying to kill Eminem. So who cares? Why does Eminem need to be punished at all? Uh, but it's like, I am a law-driven robot. Mm-hmm. I, I must obey my code, and it's an extreme code. So I think he's, he's more of a caricature of himself. Okay. Sometimes in the comics, he's exactly this. I mean, I'm not saying that's like, oh... It's not out of character, necessarily. Yeah, but I think it's part of the fun of the comic, of this crazy team-up, to have the Punisher be up there. And Eminem up there as well, because pretty high-octane action for a rapper. From the the (laughs) get-go. Like, it was like, thank you! (laughs) It's just, whoa! Instantly, we're we're shooting people. What did you think of LaRocca's art? We haven't talked about the art. I didn't think of it. (laughs) No. Um, Uh, That is a common thing. I mean, uh, for people who don't read comics... To not look... I... To, to not really have... Um, because um, uh, this is a parenthesis, but I, the Legion of Super Bloggers, I do Legion reviews with Shotgun, uh, another of our podcasting mates from Oh Hot More Not, and she never talks about the art. We, we review every reboot Legion comic together as a rookie veteran kind of look. Okay. She never talks about the art. Never. Huh. Or almost never. I can recognize Eminem, which is good. Because sometimes I feel when, when real people get turned into comics, some facial expressions just don't match what the person would do. And that's a little jarring. If well, you... a lot of the time it's because they're using photo reference. And so they're tracing over or copying a, a publicity picture or a frame from a movie. And you can tell. It's like, well, that, that's an expression I remember from the TV show. I think LaRocca is more like as a photo reel kind of mm-hmm. style. That could be a little bit like that. But yeah, I agree with you that Eminem looks exactly like himself. Mm. Everybody looks like real people, even the ones that are exaggerated. Have a you know a, th- a third dimension to them. Mm-hmm. Not everybody loves it. Okay. Lorica's art. I think some people don't like photoreal okay, art. So. And I'm not a fan of photoreal art either. But I do like... I mean, he did a long run on Iron Man as well. So where you, you, know, you could do the Robert Downey Jr. riff, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's, um, I, I don't think we see any of that here, where the characters are necessarily drawn from photo reference, where it doesn't fit the the scene. There's not a lot of background. Hmm, good point. 
It's very, uh, let's, this small corner of an abandoned house. Look, ice. It's just, it's very vast, sort of, feeling almost kind of empty. From the look of it, they're using the colorist to fill that in, where you'll get, like, a greener sky or, like, but it's all colors. There's no, you can't see any lines to it. Mm-hmm. So how much of that is just the colorist filling in some detail, filling some filling in some atmosphere? So I find that th- th- that's a lot of the, the problem with photoreal art is that it's got to have a strong colorist. Uh, because what did the artist actually put on there? And then all the third dimension- dimensionality is all shading on muscles and on faces. And so how much of that was scratched in by the penciler who then left the, like the pencil there? Then the colorist comes in and just shades that and removes the pencil. You know, modern comics are very much done with computers now. So uh, it's hard to tell just what the artistic process was. I don't know. Um, so I don't know about that artistic process, just like I don't know about Van Lent's artistic process on this. I'd love to know mm-hmm. just what went into this. Uh, <laughs> you know, for a writer who's given this task. This isn't something you, you think up in your... <laughs> in the just shower. Like, no, what we should do. Yeah, no, it's it's. Someone was the, asked to do yeah, this. Yeah, so it's an order. You're ordered to do this. Uh, and what will this story be? Uh, well, they went the North Pole. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I agree. It's like um, there's not much in the way of backgrounds. Mm. So all the tech that we see is very well drawn. All the human figures look human. There's good, you know, there's good textile interaction, all of that, so... Um, I think he kind of looks... Eminem kind of looks like a sock puppet a bit. Like, not in his face, but the way he... <laughs> like, the positions he ends up being... Like, when he's he's crashed on the ice, hmm. he it feels kind of cartoony. It's like he's uh, ragdolling. Yeah. Because there's all, another ragdoll moment, which is, like, the big two-page splash, where he... the, the When the Punisher attacks for the first time, he just throws himself down. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, like... Just like, oh, <laughs> like scarecrow. Yeah, he's very Muppety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, I'm sure that's like the anatomy works, but it does look a, a bit goofy. And then <laughs> and then maybe these are facial expressions from pictures that make the, it a little, a little, little more. There's one face that's very strange. I don't remember the panel of it. It's just like going like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just such a, like, it struck me because it's so, it, it's not that it doesn't fit in the story. It's just so, like, what is that face? <laughs> I like the fact that they probably wrote a script and then removed about 90% of the words because they were swear words. <laughs> <laughs> just all little crossbones. Over the words, yeah. I feel like the speech pattern is actually not too bad. Like, if you listen to Eminem and then you read this, I feel like maybe everyone sounds the same, though. I feel like maybe there's not, like, a distinct voice per character. I feel mm. like maybe everyone's kind of has the same vibe. Everybody's in the in the rap song. But I feel like it's not that far off to how Eminem actually speaks. Okay. So that's not bad. But, I mean, they had to remove, like, all the text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that one two two page flat panel where Eminem is being throwing himself down or uh, near a car, it's um, crossbone, 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 crossbone in, <laughs> crossbone, 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 uh, exclamation point, exclamation point. So it's, uh, <laughs> so it's in. <laughs> well, it's like it's fucking shit or something. Yeah, or something, like something like that. Like that. <laughs> the entire <laughs> text is just like mother crossbones, <laughs> mother crossbones. Yeah, it's the Mother Crossbones Punisher. You can't show the cursing. No. In this. I guess this is pre... Is it? I don't think it's pre-Max. Maybe they should have put it under the Max imprint, where they could have used swears. 
But then if it was online and I, there's no control over it, so yeah, I can see Disney that. slash Marvel didn't want to do it. But it can, it's kind of fun. All right, let's look at who fared better. Who fared better? Uh, four big questions. First, how well does this fit each of their stories or atmospheres? So is this more of a uh, an M&M story or more of a Punisher story? I mean, like we said, it does fit in the lore of M&M. It hits a lot of like key points that he often talks about. I feel like this could have been a rap song. <laughs> yeah. You can rhyme lots of things with ice. It could have been a, an M&M video. I feel like he could have rhymed smelt, like smelt fisherman with something. You could have, you can do something with that. <laughs> but um, it's, yeah, it's in Detroit. It mentions a lot of key themes that he addresses. It's gratuitously violent in a similar way. It's probably, no, I was going to say it's a little, probably a little like out of like being on a boat on ice, but it's not that outrageous. He has a lot of songs that are kind of like, why are we talking about this? So it's not that different from what he would do, but I'd, I've never read Punisher stories, is it? Well, I mean, it is a Punisher plot where the Punisher goes out to punish people and then punishes, finds out there's more to it and then punishes more people, I guess. It's got that kind of violence that the Punisher has. But the Punisher is not the main character. No. We're with Eminem from the beginning and in the end. And the Punisher is kind of this guest star... And it's called M&M Punisher, not Punisher M&M. Oh, true, yeah. I'm, I'm giving it to M&M in this case. I okay. think the Punisher is drawn, like I said, as a caricature. Uh, it's a cartoon version of him. So it doesn't feel like like he's ever a real person. Whereas M&M uh, is recognizable as his stage persona. Uh, what about cool moves? <laughs> what is the best or coolest M&M move in this? Does he have a cool move? I'm not sure. It, <laughs> uh, he spends most of the the film go the film. He spends most of the comic going like, ah. <laughs> um, I think it's not necessarily one cool move. I think what is cool about him in this comic is his resourcefulness. He's on the ice. He's like, what am I gonna do? Like, first of all, he just decides to walk away from the boat on the ice, not knowing if there's going to be someone at some point, which is very strange. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but he finds someone and then sees the chainsaw and sees the possibility. Earlier, he's in that abandoned house. It's like the dude's coming, like, what am I going to do? And just decides to, like, play vulnerable version of a celebrity. It is like, oh, no, oh, no, save me. And then catches the Punisher off guard while doing that. So I feel like... Though those things aren't necessarily all that cool, I feel like what's cool about him is his c capacity to look at a situation and see what the possibilities are and act on those. That's good. Yeah, the Punisher. Um, yeah. Like I said, he's got uh, he's got problems in this. So I guess cool is the way he leaves Eminem on the ice. Mm. So mm, at the yes, end, it's like, yeah. well, I'm gonna spare your life. Here's the satellite phone. Well, I guess he he sees that resourcefulness. Mm -hmm. Ah, you'll be fine. And if you're not, no skin off, you yeah. know, no skin off my nose, because uh, you just killed a guy, so I don't have any empathy. And he drives the boat away. It's a badass kind of uh, yeah. moment. Yeah, it's probably the only real badass thing that happens. Well, I guess you know he. They think they can take him, and then he takes out a bazooka. There's like these moments. And Eminem's all like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You uh, see how fast he 
he turns around there, it's just like, oh, we're, oh, oh I'm going to shoot that guy who shot all my homies. Uh, n- no, we shouldn't. Okay, if I'm not, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you got to know when to walk away. Um, what about dumb or weird moves? I mean, a lot of weird moves in this, I guess, but what are what is the the worst move, let's say, for uh, Eminem? Again, it's it's he's so not an active person that I feel he's not actively cool or actively not cool. Walking away on that ice is pretty dumb. Like he was lucky, but it's pretty dumb to walk away. Yeah, I don't think he just walk back to Detroit. No, I, I don't even think he was walking towards the city. Like <laughs> going towards Canada. It's like where are you going? <laughs> Toronto. Where? <laughs> That and the the wussing out with the bazooka is pretty much. It's just like, oh, I'm gonna get him. No, okay, I'm not. I'm not. It's not a hard and fast rule. I can leave. <laughs> it's like it's just putting up. I guess for so if being resourceful is his coolness, being easily swayed to not do something is probably his dumb move. Yeah, you can sometimes be a coward. For the Punisher, well, I mentioned it already. I guess it's, I'm not considering Barracuda's murder as self-defense. The, like the rigid code is just, it's just stupid. Mm. I mean, it works for the story, but it's, it's the weird move. The weak move is getting pistol whipped by Eminem. Oh yeah, by Eminem. <laughs> of all people. So, uh, yeah, the Punisher does not seem up to snuff. The Punisher is it's too hardcore to get, maybe Barracuda could take him. But not Eminem. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe he was just like banking on the fact that he was a wuss. Maybe. Can I add as a sidebar for the stupid thing? Selling his shit on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Barracuda's problem. <laughs> no, yes, but stupid that's what thing. I mean. Come on, Barracuda. Come on. <laughs> You've just created uh, Elvis-level lore of is he dead? Is he not dead? Is he missing? He's going to appear. People are going to see him everywhere. Your plan is to sell his stuff on eBay without his family knowing? Or what is what is your plan here? Just buy a lot of merch. But and merch. Resell it. There's a thousand million <laughs> versions. I feel like his plan would only make sense if you're like, I'm selling Eminem's toaster. That's the thing that no one has. Everyone has the shirt, man. <laughs> what are you doing? So the friendly farewell. This is a team up tradition. Not so friendly. No. In this case. But hilarious. How does it rate? I think it's very funny. <laughs> I think I think it's. That's where you see a bit of the Eminem humor. Because even if he won the fight in a way, like Eminem waltzed in and just like chainsawed Barracuda. And even when he won, he lost, which is such an Eminem thing. I think, obviously, the the Punisher took that. I mean, I feel like he won that interaction. It's the only first, it's really the only interaction that he wins. <laughs> but, um... But it's so characteristic of Eminem to be still the loser, even when he won. I can't argue with that. We'll take a break for a couple of promos, then we'll be back with our bonus team-ups. Coming soon from Amalgam Music, Punish'em's new album, Warzone Relapse. 13 new tracks by venerated kill-hop artist Slim Castle, including Lose Yourself in the Armory, Brap God, My Mom's New Uzi, and My Name is Frank. Pre-order it today wherever killer music is sold. Is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Ant Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto, so both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel?
What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? Uh, <laughs> Doc Samson. Who's he? Star Fox. That's a video game. The girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. She's been on the web lately, says maybe she'll be my Gwen Stacy, despite a man. And I know she's using me to try to play him. I don't care. Hi, Suzanne. But I should have said bye, Suzanne, after the first night. But tonight I am. We're back. One final feature, the bonus team-up, in which each of us will propose a perfect M&M team-up. Mm. So what have you got for us? Uh, it could be anything. could be... Most of his team-ups have been with Dr. Dre. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, it, it doesn't have to be, uh, obviously it doesn't have to be another music star. It could be anything. What have you chosen? Well, um, I was thinking about Eminem and his music and he has a very strange parental dynamic. So he has sort of like strained, I guess would be the word, relationship with his own mother and the way she mothered him in a way and his ex-wife and all of that and the family unit is something that's broken apart but he has a very close tie with his daughter even in very dark songs where he's committing horrible crimes and doing terrible things he's still like sort of trying to explain it to her in a child way just like oh no mom is just going out to swim but he's killed her and tossed her in the ocean kind of thing um so there's sort of like a, a protectionness um, so I would like to pair him with a child hero that's badass and intense, so that could exist in the same kind of universe. So I had thought of Hit Girl from Kick-Ass. She would be compatible in sort of like that violent sort of scenario that you would imagine Eminem being, especially based on this, the, the one comic we've read that has a lot of that. And I think he would have an interesting relationship to her. Because she's a child, she's a girl, she's like that. I think that father reflex would kick in a little bit. And it would be interesting to see that sort of dynamic um, sort of form and how that would work and explore more than just like, I'm a gun-toting rapper. I think it would allow him to sort of explore the father, parent, being absent, being there, sort of themes that he also looks at in his rap music. So I think that could do something that had a little more substance than maybe this one has and would still have a lot of violence. Yeah. Well, my idea is uh, silly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Here's the thing. We were looking at Eminem's links to the comic book stuff. And one of the most comic booky videos he's made is Without Me, mm -hmm. where he's dressed as Robin. He's, he's a, um, a rap boy. Is the name of the character, I guess. But he's he's Robin. He's basically Robin. He didn't take Batman for himself. He took Robin. See again. Yeah. It's never the star. He's yeah. Doctor Dre's driving the the Ratmobile in the video. So and he looks like Blade. But I mean, <laughs> he he's not Batman. Like he, he looks like Blade in that. <laughs> but, There's actually an amazing bit in that video where I think I'm not. It might be on purpose, but I think Eminem almost like broke his character for a minute. It's just like. He's just like looking at Dr. Dr. Dre's driving uh -huh. and he's just like looking at him very intensely and just goes, bitch! <laughs> and, then, and then Dr. Dre just goes, and just, there's like almost a smile in his face. I think that maybe 
breaking the... A um, little bit. Well, so there's, there's that, right? And then uh, there's a very famously in 8 Mile, mm-hmm. his character's mother is played by Vicky Vale. <laughs> by Kim Basinger. So, uh, Vicky Vale, Batman, Robin. Okay, so in my headcanon, Batman from the 89 movie okay. had a child with Vicky Vale. They, they split apart because you never see Vicky Vale again in the other movies. I mean, maybe she uh, got pregnant. She had a child. She changed her name because the villains, the Joker and all that, you know, they were all coming after her. She goes to Detroit. She has a kid. The kid is Rabbit slash Slim Shady slash Eminem slash Rap Boy. <laughs> or he comes to believe that. And uh, so he improvises himself as Robin. And then the, the real son of Batman, Damien, the Robin that is the son of Batman, decides to kick his ass. Or <laughs> so they meet, anyways. They meet, and that's the story. But it's completely based on the casting of Kim Basinger. In... Am I right to think that Eminem's daughter is called Haley? Yeah, she is. Haley, Harley Quinn. There's like a, mm. I don't know. There's like there there could be something silly going on there as well if you want to go. But I'm you. You went with the child, and I went with the mother. <laughs> Both consistent with patterns <laughs> as the launching point for this ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but it be, basically it's supposed to be the comic book version of Without Me, the video. Yes, it would explain why that character exists in the video. And it, I mean, it would be even sillier than what we just read. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I like that. And I feel like that would be consistent with how Eminem sees himself. Like, I think his broken home for him in his head, he's rationalized it as his origin. Yeah. I think the movie is part of that mythos. It's just like idealizing yourself and yet not, it's like creating a persona that then people will believe that this was my exact life story whether it it shows off virtues that i don't really have or whether it shows off a tragedy that i don't really have or negative traits which are good for gangster rap that i don't actually have but the movie creates the myth mm-hmm. and then you start to believe oh yeah i'm an m story is exactly eight mile well yeah. then why are the names changed exactly um, and by all, all accounts I've, I've read that people have said that his childhood was fine <laughs> <laughs> i mean I'm not to say that he he doesn't come from a broken home with, you know, adult figures in his life that were problematic, but he did leap from like family acquaintances and family like like I say acquaintance because it's not necessarily close family they stayed with, but they changed a lot of moving from the house of their grandmother to the house of the sister to the house you know they moved around like that. So he was around family a lot, not just his mother. And a lot of those people were like, yeah, I was like a smiling kid. (laughs) So when you build the lore of like the rejected, thrown out child that was hated, you can become a rapper that has that persona, which I mean, part of it is definitely true. I mean, well, he has to paint, he's always painted himself as an outsider because he's in a primarily black industry. Mm But it doesn't mean that he's an outsider. I mean, it's not he's not necessarily an outsider, especially now that he's like a, oh, yeah. a big star. But he plays that card of the outsider. And maybe it helps. And a lot of his songs are like that, where he's kind of mocking the, the white boy persona and what people think a white boy should be like. Mm-hmm. So he's like doing the nerdy version of himself, which may not come from nowhere. No. <laughs> you know, it may come from... He may be that to a point. Yeah, you know? I think maybe if he grew up... In very different circumstances, he would be straight-laced. He might be a poet. 
<laughs> well, I guess that's what rap is. We might not be reading his poetry somewhere. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for teaming up with me, Isabelle. Remind people where they can find you on these here internets. Wow, so vast internets. Well, let's keep it to the English language internets. Uh, okay. Because we do things on the French internets. That, oh, true. That maybe not don't have the same audience. Th that would be confusing. Yeah, because we have a show together. <laughs> yeah, we do. That is a French language show. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to that if you if you don't speak French. <laughs> it's gonna basically be like music. Maybe if you just want to listen to voices. Like an ASMR French Acadians talking about improv in French. Uh, so if both those subjects are foreign to you. <laughs> it's, just, it's an interview show. Yeah, exactly. The first episode has Bass, who's my co-host on uh, um, First Strike the Invasion podcast. I mean, it's all the voices you know. Yeah. With none of the context we, we of get, what we're saying. We get Amelie, we get Elise, we, do. we get Natalie. Yeah. We just interview shotgun. people we know. We got shotgun. shotgun. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But for reals, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess you can find me on the Hot Move or Not podcast. Um, we're... I'm a panelist, and I judge people violently. Well, not as violently as Eminem, but... <laughs> and you can also find me on my YouTube channel, MindLinked, with my sister, Natalie. Yes, you talk about... Uh, things. We we often do um, uh, vlogs of travel, we do. Um, sort of like talkie, then alone, just like talking heads videos about various subjects. Usually it's humorous. Some reviews. Yeah, some reviews sometimes. Not reviews, books and... Yeah. Yeah. It's not a con don't go for the reviews. It's not like super constantly <laughs> reviews. Uh, yeah, but sometimes you're together and sometimes you're you're separate. You you do separate videos. Yeah. Check it out. It's called Mind Linked. Yes. All right. Well, a reminder that we do enjoy reading your comments and that the best place for that is fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also visit the Fire and Water Podcast Network Facebook page or tag us on Twitter. Uh, you may use the hashtag FWPodcasts. If you do. You'll be like the first one. Uh, <laughs> see you next time, then, for another amazing superhero team-up, because, after all, justice is a team effort. Kneel before General Zod, this plan is Krypton. No Asgard, Asgard. So you be Thor and I'll be Odin. You voting, I'm omnipotent.